Well, it's a great passage today as we wrap up 1 Timothy chapter 5. And uh, as I look back in my life, there's been so many Christian men in leadership that invested in me as a young person. As we continue our study here in eldership, I just wanted to pause and give praise to God for the many men that have invested in me in my life and urged me to live for Christ. And that gave me a great example of what it means to live for faith, live by faith, and I'm sure the many people in your lives as well. And as time counts down in my life, it's out of gratitude for God's grace to these men and the effort of these men that I realize more each day what a privilege it is to live for our Lord and to serve Him entirely by His grace. And Christ has never asked us to do what He has not already done for us. And before we can minister to other people, it really helps to have had an example of someone to show us how to minister and what it means to live for Christ, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 tell us to do, instruct us. And I, I trust that you've committed those verses to memory. As I look at history and realize the vast majority of these men that invest in my life have now gone on to be with the Lord, and realize that I'm not as young as I used to be, each of us should be, again, be challenged to give our lives in service to our Lord by serving each other and ministering for our Savior. You know, it just wasn't that long ago that I was a young man in the Bible study, just like you children. And here it is my turn to become the old guy. And for us older men, I pray that each of us will rise to the challenge to serve our Lord and invest in the next generation with our remaining time. A few weeks ago, we had the joyous occasion of my son's wedding, which many of you attended. Went to a lot of effort, but something happened in the week prior to that that brought a fresh perspective of gratitude for what God has been doing in our lives. There was a funeral for the son of a man that I work with that I know at work. This man's in his 60s, and he has two sons. And all three of them work there at the same employer I do. And this event was about one of his sons and his wife. And they have two children, 15 and 8. And the week before Peter's wedding was his son's funeral, which was caused by a drug overdose. And his wife was there, and she was brought to her husband's funeral in a prison jumpsuit with handcuffs and ankle shackles and a policeman on each side of her because she was in jail for bad behavior. And so they had a family gathering at a funeral in dire circumstances, and his wife was at her husband's funeral just crying her eyes out because there was no hope in her life. Her two children are now going to be cared for by a grandparent. And this story is just repeated so many times all around us. And without Christ, there is no hope for our future. And without God's grace, that is me. So the week after this happened, many of you joined us in Texas for the joyous occasion of Peter and Christina's wedding with our family. And I'm just again overcome with the realization that without God's grace, this event would not have happened. We have no hope and no joy in this life without our Savior. The only hope we have is in God's grace. So as we look at church leadership today, I just want to again emphasize that without 
God's grace, his love, and his mercy, there is no reason for us to be here today. So we studied in 1 Timothy chapter 3 the God-given personal requirements of men to be able to serve in the church as an elder. Today in chapter 5, God gives us the job description of the elders in the church. So let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and its clear instruction. Thank you for your grace in our lives that we can gather here to worship you. And that's what we want to do, is grow close to you and see you afresh, your grace in our lives. Come meet with us and instruct us now in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And I'm going to call this men who serve as elders. So we'll pick up here in verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. The Bible defines a group of men that are to lead God's church, and these men are called elders. And the word used here, elders, brings out two thoughts, plurality and maturity. Plurality of elders, let the elders, plural, plurality meaning multiple godly men, so the focus is not on the man, but on God. It's a team of men, and we're not told how many, but whenever the scripture addresses church leadership, it's a plural group and not an individual. And the second is that of maturity. Elder can mean old age, but the reference is the spiritual maturity in the church. Next we come to the words that rule well. And there's two words that summarize what this means. To lead and to feed. And we're going to spend some time on this thought of ruling well. Of feeding and leading God's flock. And these aspects are seen in the titles used in church leadership. We see throughout the scripture elder, pastor, bishop, or overseer. And the word elder is very common in scripture, and it denotes his mature example. Less common would be the word bishop or overseer, as we see in 1 Timothy 3.1, and that denotes his supervision or authority in the church. And also is the word pastor, as in Ephesians 4.11, and it denotes his care and shepherding of God's flock. So first, shepherd the flock, feeding the flock of God, which is among you. And there's a passage that expounds on this and gives really clear instruction to the elders about feeding God's people in 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, not willingly, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive 
a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Paul, as a felled elder, gives us in verse 2 some elder instruction. This is what the elders are to do. With a ready mind, labor in God's word, not to achieve large financial gain, but willingly in humility as an example. And for the church, submit yourselves to the elder, and all of us be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. All of us are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Notice that all authority comes from God. He is the head of church. Christ gives the authority to the church through his word. And there's to be a team of men called elders who minister God's book to the children of God. And the elders are to be given to the spiritual growth of the souls in the local church. Second is that of authority, the lead of the church. To rule well means to preside over, to manage well, to have care of God's local church. Now, I'll tell you a story here. So my mom, and, and she is well-versed in scripture, and she's always offering me encouragement, and she wanted to help me in my duties as an elder. So I'm going to invite you into something my mom did for me. She sent me an article that she had came across about elders. And see if you can identify with this. The perfect elder should be 29 years old with 40 years of experience. The perfect elder should preach exactly 12 minutes, frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. The perfect elder earns $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and gives $30 a week to the church. The perfect elder speaks boldly on social issues, but never becomes politically involved. The perfect elder has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all his time with the senior saints. The perfect elder never misses a meeting of any church function, spends all his time evangelizing the unchurched, and is always at the church when needed. So, thank you. I want to say thank you to my mom for your thoughts. I, but I looked through the Bible, and I couldn't find any of these things in it. So, and my mom does listen to my sermons, and so thank you, Mom. I love you. So what does God say about elder rule? The elders are over the local church, and as elders are over the local church, they are not to lord it over God's children, because ruling elders are the servants of our Lord. In 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must not strive. The elders are called the servant of the Lord. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness instructing those that oppose himself. There is only one king in God's church, and that is our Lord. Our Lord is the king of the local church. God has entrusted each local church to a group of men called elders. And there is no authority given in scripture to the congregation, but to the elders. 
But remember, the elders of the qualifications of elders include being patient, not violent, not greedy, not covetousness. Rule by elders is by men with the requirement of being peaceful, gentle, and not quarrelsome, but filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And let's pick up a few details about elders in the book of Acts. So in Acts 13 and 14, they tell us that about Paul's first missionary journey, and on the journey as they visited every church, they appointed elders in every church. Acts 14.23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. So the first detail is that elders are appointed by men as other elders, as we will see in verse 22 of today's passage. And then in Acts 29, sorry, Acts 11, 29 through 30, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So an offering, a financial offering, was sent to Judea by Barnabas and Saul, and the money was given to the elders because they presided over the affairs of that local church. Who has the oversight in the church determining doctrinal purity? And we see that in Acts chapter 15. When they had a question, and some men went down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And at that time, the elders functioned, the apostles functioned with the elders. And as the apostles passed away, the Lord raised up elders to take the place of the apostles as they passed off the scene. And in verse 4 of 15, we see the apostles and elders. In verse 6, the apostles and elders were gathered together. And then after they reached their decision, Paul left on his second missionary journey. And they went through all the cities and delivered the decisions from the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And then during Paul's third missionary journey, he follows up with the elders there in Ephesus in Acts 20, verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. as a great example of Paul working with the elders to instruct them in the things of the Lord. And in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul gave some, just some very personal instruction to the elders. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. What a, just a beautiful description of God's church. Christ has purchased the church with his own blood. The elders are over to see the flock of God, God's children, to manage, to shepherd, to lead, and to, to lead and to feed God's children with the word of God and the local church of God. And then Paul came back in Acts 21:17, and came to Jerusalem, and the brethren gladly received him. And the day following Paul, he went in with James, and all the elders were present. And they heard the trip report from Paul's third missionary journey. What a solid engagement by the elders in the missionary activity and the spread of the gospel. Verse 17 moves on from ruling to that of double honor. 
the subject of respectability, respectability of elders. And we are not given the meaning of what double honor means, and some commentators have put out a few opinions. First is that elders will have honor in this world and also in heaven. Second, possibly, is in the first part of the chapter, was the care of the widows to be honored, and the elders should have double the financial support of what the elders received. The third possibility is, is the one I think that kind of fits in this passage, is that the elders should be shown honor by words and actions. That is, they should be respected for the office and their labor and teaching, and that they should be provided with sufficient salary. That of respect and remuneration, since they labor in the word and doctrine, and because they have financial needs, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. This word, labor, is a word that means just to work to exhaustion, to toil until you're weary and tired. So then how do we treat those who labor in God's word for our benefit? For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. He then reminds what the scripture says in Deuteronomy 25.4. You shall not muzzle an ox that's treading out your grain. And the point is, you pay your cows, don't you? Are you paying your preacher? You feed your ox when he does work for you. What about your preacher? And this is further explained and expanded upon in 1 Corinthians 9, 9-11. For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when he treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak for your sake? For it is written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If you have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? It's disrespectful is what he's saying, to ignore the financial needs of those who spend their time laboring in the word. Believers must respect everyone in authority because all authority is given by God. And in God's church, this is a twofold honor, that of respect and that of financial support. As a matter of practical application here in our church about the subject of remuneration, I, I want to point out two things about the income of each person in leadership. First, nobody in leadership sets their own salary. And the second detail is that each person's salary or honorarium is set by at least two other men. And so um, the scripture says the laborer is worthy of his reward and so to avoid conflict of interest, those are the things we follow. Continuing in this instruction of respectability, we should also read in 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. We are to esteem church leadership very highly in love, not because the elders are a group of awesome guys, but because God expects it as a matter of principle. 
So I'm on a six-week preaching rotation, and I just have learned just only a little bit about preaching and some of the work involved. But this has greatly increased my respect for the many men who have given their lives to labor in the Word and have benefited me. As I look back, the, maybe one example, the man, uh, Dana Halstead, who married my wife and I in Kansas City, I look back and remember how he spent his time ministering to us, and I know that I didn't appreciate his labor and investment in me near as much then as I do now. Jesus is our shepherd and bishop of our souls. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. He knows all of the sheep by name. He laid down his life for us. He is the one who suffered and bled and died for our sins. Jesus is the head of the church. And we shouldn't let the imperfections of anyone distract us from keeping our eyes on the Lord. There's also something that God tells us in the church that God's children must do in the church. And that's in Hebrews 13, 17 when we talk about ruling well. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Not only are we to respect the elders, but we are also to respond to God's word through our elders. When God's people and God's leaders come together to study God's word together, each of us do, us, do ourselves a favor to respond in obedience to God's word. God has established authority in the home. He's established authority in the church. He's established authority in government. He's established authority in marriages and families and employment. And when we resist the authorities God has ordained, we are resisting God, Romans 13 tells us. It is a high honor to serve our Lord as an elder or as a deacon and they that serve the needs of God's people and God's church. For the young people here, I pray that each of you will aspire to these offices and seek to prepare yourselves for service to our Lord. So many of you pray for your leaders and each other so often and you tell us that you pray for us. Thank you. You, you all treat us so well. The people of this church are very encouraging to us in leadership, and it brings great joy when we are at peace with each other. At the same time, the elders are to set an example of biblical work ethic and labor in the word and doctrine and to rule well. And regardless of how they're treated, they're to be spiritually mature and labor for the benefit of God's flock, the church. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. So that brings us to the next verses. If the elders are not fulfilling their responsibilities, what should you do? And we'll call these next verses, 19 through 22, men who should not serve as elders. Let's pick up here in verse 19. Against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. 
Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and elect angels that you observe these things without preferring one another. Do nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And we also show respect to elders by not receiving uncorroborated or unsubstantiated accusations. Elders are not below the law, but they're also not above the law. They must comply with the law just like anyone else. And there must be witnesses of wrongdoing. And Paul was pretty blunt with the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 13.1, he said, This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. But I warn those who sinned before and all others, I warn them now while absent, that as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Elders can very easily become a disappointment because no two men are alike and each one is blessed with different gifts. But elders are people with flaw and as the saying goes, even the best of men are still men at their best. And elders are not beyond sinning. And verse 20 tells us that they that sin, which is the verb tense of present active sin, they are to be rebuked before all so that others may also fear. And the verb tense, may fear, is also in the present active tense. It's saying that others may keep on fearing. And we're given an example in Galatians 2.11, that when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. For before this, that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not according, uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? The apostle Peter sinned in his public behavior with partiality. And he treated two groups of people differently. And Paul called him out for it in public to his face. And sometimes there's sin issues to address in the church which lead to church discipline. If someone sins who's in leadership then the difficulties can also be compounded among God's people by those who like him and those that dislike him. And then there are those that may agree and disagree, and the people in the church can easily take up offenses. And he says, do not lay hands on anyone suddenly, because problems can be avoided by taking time before ordaining elders. But that does not guarantee an elder won't fall into sin. But it is good, clear instruction to take time in leadership selection. It helps protect the other elders against sharing in the guilt of sin. If I don't follow God's instruction in the selection of elders, and I agree to ordain someone too soon, then he's saying, I am responsible for God for the problems that result from that. When God's instructions are obeyed, 
then I am free from other men's sins. We are to resist hasty ordination is the instruction. The other point he brings up is to do nothing by partiality. Be impartial. Do not show favoritism among people. Just because someone is my close friend, that doesn't mean he will make a good elder. Truth and justice must win out over affection and friendships. He moves on then in verse 23. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy often infirmities. And I'm going to call this, men who serve as elders care for themselves. And at first glance, verse 23 may appear to be misplaced, but as Paul was writing about the responsibilities of being an elder and the duties of the ministry in this book, and Paul was writing, it appears that he was thinking about Timothy's weaknesses and frailty as Paul has just dumped the whole entire truckload of responsibility of the church onto Timothy. And now he's offering him some practical advice. Timothy, take care of yourself. And the Greek words for drink water and for stomach, both of those words only appear once in the New Testament, right here in this verse. And the phrase drink no longer water could also be translated drink no more simple water, but mix a little wine. And historic biblical scholars tell us that in the days before our modern water purification plants, the typical method that people used to purify the drinking water was to pour in a little wine into the water, mix it up, let it sit just a little bit, so the alcohol content would kill the bacteria in it and minimize the risk of bacterial infection. And this would potentially help Timothy's digestive orders. So Timothy, I know I just wrote to you in chapter 3 not to be given to wine, but don't forget your frequent sickness and mix a little wine with your water for your own health. So why didn't Timothy just heal Paul? Paul, an apostle with the gift of healing, would have just been able to heal him. Think about Paul's life as he had his thorn in the flesh. Do we have physical problems and limitations? This is a great example for us to serve the Lord in spite of our physical limitations. Care for yourself and push on in faith. And as we live in a society that is caving in on itself morally and spiritually, there's an incredible battle that's being waged for the souls of men, especially in places like Lebanon and Ukraine, as we hear these stories, where enemy wages a vicious battle, but God's grace is greater than our weaknesses. And as we see God's grace at work, we grow in our boldness. Take care of yourself. Pray for each other. Encourage each other as we see that day approaching. As we think about the needs around us, I've done it several times, and maybe you've done it too. And let's get the priorities all mixed up. Well, I've come to realize that in this world, there's an endless supply of desperate needs. And if I worked 24-7, gave all of my time and life away, there would still be more needs that I couldn't meet. And as we serve each other, it's important to remember that if we fail to care for ourselves, we minimize our usefulness to the Lord. We must first take care of our own personal needs and prepare ourselves for the Lord's service. So what do we do 
with unresolvable health problems. I just love what the Lord told to Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. We come to the last verses here in verses 24 and 25, and I'm going to call these God Knows the Service and Sins of Elders. Picking up in verse 24. Some men's sins are opened beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. What's he instructing here? Some men's sins are obvious, and others may take a while to become obvious. Some men need careful scrutiny to evaluate their lives. In the context, he's instructing Timothy to not lay his hands quickly on anyone, but to again take the time necessary to evaluate the fruit of a man's life. And in verse 25, good works are evident. In this man's case, I'm not sure if there's a sufficient display of God's grace, but give it some time until more details come out. There are some men who labor in the quiet and avoid the public eye, but when their works are known, you find out that they are just steadfast in their character. Time will make it abundantly clear. Don't lay hands hastily on anyone. Whatever the situation was there at Ephesus, time will make it clear. Paul is telling Timothy. In summary of these verses, Paul gives to Timothy some commands. If we look here down through it and look at the action verbs in these verses, it is, it is very um, interesting. Let's start at verse 17. Count worthy. Elders that rule well to be counted worthy. Honor in verse 17. 19. Receive not. Receive not accusations. Verse 20, rebuke. Elders are to call out sin. 21, observe these things. Do nothing by partiality in verse 21. Verse 22, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. 22, do not take part of other men's sins. And 22, keep yourself pure. These verses are verses of action and instruction to us in leadership to follow our Lord's example. To wrap up this passage, I just again express love to you. Your kindnesses to us is, in leadership is, is just very gracious. And we should be reminded that there is only one king in the church, one chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life and shed his blood for his bride, the church. He is the great shepherd who loves us and leads us and feeds us through his word. What a great savior we have. Let's, be, let's close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your instruction. Thank you for your grace to your church. How, how I consider each of these people my friends. And your word is so gracious to us. Thank you for working in our lives. We love you, Lord, and thank you for what you have done for us. In Christ's name, amen.